If you were standing in front of a crowd of 5,000 people, what would your message be? What would my message be? Like really live life to the fullest, die on empty, meaning doing any and everything your heart desires. Fuck the opinions and thoughts of other people because they really don't matter. Do what makes you happy and build other people up in the process. Um, if you have the opportunity to lend a hand, do so without expecting anything in return. Be you, do you, unapologetic and as yourself. Like, because life is really too short. And I say that because it took me a long time to get to that place. I didn't transition until 2018. I was 36 years old. Now I'm 40. And the number one reason why I did not transition is because I was worried about what other people were going to think. I lived my whole life worrying about what other people were going to think and how they were going to feel and didn't put Sam in that equation at all. So if you're going to do something, do it now. It's never too late. I don't care how old you are. If you want to get in shape, get in shape. You want to start a business, start a business. You want to go back to school, go back to school. Just do it. That's my message. You'll be 40 years old like me and you'll be like, damn, why didn't I do this sooner? What would have been different if you had done it sooner? <sighs> to be honest, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like everything happened the way that it was supposed to happen. Not that I think I know it did. I think if I had done it sooner, I, I know for sure I wouldn't have been emotionally or mentally mature enough to handle it. Now where I'm at now, I'm more, you know, of course mature. I have a huge support system. Um, I have my lovely wife who supports and encourages me. I like, I have all of these great people in place that, you know, have contributed to my growth spiritually, you know, emotionally. Um, and at that point back then, I, I didn't have all of that. I was in an in unstable relationship. I was from job to job. I didn't really know what direction I was going in life. So I know for a fact that I transitioned earlier Oh man, it probably would have been worse. <laughs> yeah, emotionally wise and mentally. So I definitely think that the transition happened right on time. Not just my gender transition, but I've transitioned as a person. Like I'm not who I was five or 10 years ago. Yeah. How has your relationship with God changed after your transition? It, it's, it's grown. So my wife and I had just joined the church that we're a part of now, like before my transition, like a year prior. We joined the church in 2017. And then 2018 was when I had my first uh, surgery, which was top surgery. I know my, my relationship with God has, has grown. I'm at peace now with where I'm at, with my choices, my decisions. I know he loves me for a fact. There's no doubt. It's, it's grown and, the, and what it looks like, like growing up in the church where, like growing up, I didn't hear the term relationship. I didn't even know what a relationship with God looked like. It wasn't until I started going to our current church home where my pastor dropped, like that's really his message is relationship. It's about relationship, not religion. Religion has all of these rules and these, these limitations and restrictions. Relationship is you can be open and honest and authentic with God. And that that helped me a lot with my transition because I feel like before I was going to him as someone else. Mm, yeah.
yeah, I felt like I was being fake. But now I'm I'm more genuine, I'm more open, I'm more authentic. Like my prayer, it's almost like it's literally a conversation with him now. And I'm not yeah. afraid to anything. Yeah. I'm more open and, and out about, you know, my feelings, even when I'm frustrated, even when, you know, I express that openly and honestly. But I didn't feel like I could do that before. Yeah. Yeah. Hope I explained that, right? It makes yeah. a lot of sense. There's a lot of ways that when we are not operating from a place of authenticity, yeah, it's like our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, our relationships with people that we love are so much harder because there's so much to keep track of. And, you know, how you feel about a thing or how you see a thing, it's almost like you, you have to ask, whose opinion do you want? <laughs> the person you see or the person I am? about you? I, I know you mentioned um, you experienced conversion therapy. Like, was that something that you did on your own or was it influenced by family, friends or? Yes. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> All, of All of that. I say that um, it was a it was a decision that I made and it was a decision I made in order to be in conformity to what I thought I needed to do in order to be in good relationship with my family and in good relationship with God. I didn't know that it was an option to be gay and Christian. And so I identified as a lesbian and I absolutely loved being a lesbian, by the way. Being a lesbian was part of my identity. It was a label I wore in neon lights. <laughs> You had the stickers and absolutely <laughs> absolutely i i was all decked out in lesbian labels and i loved i the sense of belonging that i got from being part of the lesbian community and part of my lesbian community and it was amazing but i decided that i needed to give that up in order to have a relationship with god so I decided that um, I had tried to go straight before and mm -hmm. it didn't work. So I needed to hand it over to the professionals. When you say it didn't work, elaborate on that. It didn't work. I remember going back to Bible college, thinking that I was going to go straight, go back to Bible college so that I yeah. could get my degree in, I think, missions or something like that. So I went back to Bible college and realized that I, I was developing really strong, deep connections with some of the women that I would interact with on a regular basis and become friends with. And when I talk about my going straight, not working, it's because I realized that the, the place I was coming from in those relationships was not the place that they thought I was coming from. They thought I was just being a friend. There was a battle going on inside of me and yeah. it was very stressful to have friendships because i was not authentic about who i was and there was a lot to keep track of in my story about why i was showing up at their door with this casserole <laughs> or whatever <laughs> you know things that you feel about someone that you're really connected to or really attracted to or or yeah, whatever yeah. It was so stressful to try to play that game. 
I use that word intentionally. It felt like I was in a role that I was supposed to be playing, you know, in dress up and costume. And sometimes I just got so tired of playing that game. I just wanted out of the game. It was really hard to experience that kind of pushing and pulling. And so I would just go back to identifying as lesbian and and just say, well, I guess that that, that didn't work. Yeah. So knowing that the program was designed by professionals to to help people go straight, I decided to go ahead and check myself in. So I enrolled in a program called Love in Action in Memphis, Tennessee. I guess Love in Action was considered the original the Exodus movement came out of. I'm not sure what what all of the history is. I just knew that I had heard an interview by someone on the radio and she talked about on Christian radio and she talked about this Love in Action program. So I decided to check it out and it was a two-year program and I bolted after two weeks. I just couldn't handle it. It was so traumatic. What did the curriculum look like? What did you have to do? Was there like therapy sessions? Because I've heard of like a shock therapy too. Is that still a thing or? I didn't experience that at Love in Action, but that's not to say I wasn't shocked (laughs) in other ways. We were completely isolated. We weren't allowed to have any communication with our family or friends. No one from our lives. Um, we, We couldn't call, we couldn't write, we couldn't have any kind of contact at all. No visits, no, no phone calls or anything. So we were not allowed to watch TV or read the newspapers. We weren't allowed to work while we were in the program, except after we I think there was a time when um, we would be allowed to work as long as it was approved Mm. and gender appropriate. So if it was a male dominated industry, they, they wouldn't let the women apply for those jobs. And so everything was micromanaged. You weren't allowed to have any alone time except for 15 minutes of bathroom time uh, in the morning and I think in the evening or something like that. Other than that, you needed to account for every moment of your day. You know, you weren't allowed to go anywhere by yourself. It was a residential program and you had to stay in the house unless it was pre-approved and there was someone that was going with you. When I got there, they went through all of my things. And since my clothes were deemed men's clothes, including my socks, were deemed men's socks, I had to go shopping. and buy women's clothes and I had taken my guitar with me and they said that I wasn't allowed to have the guitar because um, guitars are typically used to seduce women so I couldn't have my guitar Um, I had a photo album with family members and friends of the family in my photo album but because someone in the photo album, who was not gay, by the way, appeared to be gay, I was not allowed to have my photo album. Wow. Just so many things that just from the word go, as soon as I arrived, it's like I was stripped of everything that I had brought that, that they didn't approve of. And I wasn't allowed to drive my car. So it was just like one thing after another. And I remember, little things would happen i i I remember going with the the whole group of women we went to a hallmark store and 
I saw a card. It was one of those funny cards where you pick it up and it looks like one thing and then you open it and see that it's something else. And it was uh, a card that on the outside, it said, nice ass. And you open it up and it was a picture of a donkey, right? So on the outside, it looked like somebody's butt, you know? And I thought it was hilarious. And so I showed it to one of the, one of my housemates and she laughed too. And then we put it back. We went about our, the rest of our shopping trip. Yeah. And I was pulled into the, the house manager's office the next day saying that that was entirely inappropriate, that I had been reported for making sexual advances to one of my housemates. Because the card said, nice ass. So these were things that I was shocked about, a very different type of shock therapy. But I would say the damage was done in the counseling sessions when I was told I was a predator. Wow. And my life amounted to a a hedonistic existence um, where I was a predator and I was out scoping for innocent women. Yeah to take my um, my sexual deviancy out on. And it was significant, it was significant damage. When they would talk to my family, they would say, tell, tell us about Brenda. And my family just had nothing but good to say about me and just glowing reports that I had hung the moon. Yeah. And I would hear about it the next day. You have got them so fooled. Wow. That came through loud and clear. You are worthless without us to get you turned around. And I very, very quickly realized that I signed up for the program, but I was set up to fail at every turn and then to feel horrible or to be made, you know, they were trying to make me feel horrible about myself. And and I I think it worked. I think it worked. I, I have to say that even today, I find myself worried that people are going to think that I'm a predator. Uh, they're going to yeah. think that I'm being inappropriate. And so that kind of programming at two weeks of, mm-hmm. in this program, since that time, I've met people who w- were in uh, residential programs like that for years. I am amazed at their resilience. Sounds like a, a nightmare, first and foremost. The tactic they use definitely not love it's like they literally broke you yeah so where where is love in action now and and were there any success stories like we help some people <laughs> i have i have no idea uh what the claims are about the program but uh i do know that the the program is no longer in existence as its original type of program i think they basically rebranded themselves so I, I don't really know. I haven't kept up with what they look like, but I, I have heard stories that they have rebranded themselves and restated their mission in a different way. The same tactic, just dressed up differently. I think so. Somebody who had gone through love and action and had heard my story came to me and said, do you realize that that woman who was the house leader that caused all of that, that trauma she <laughs> she is a lesbian and she is an affirming pastor in the south and she's yeah. married to her longtime partner who was also working for action 
they met at Love I'm and not, Action. That doesn't surprise me. You know, yeah. a lot of individuals like that, you know, feel like something's wrong with them or that they're broken. And then it's places like that that just shows them something completely different. No, this is not love. This is not what love looks like. Yeah. I'm who I am and I'm, I'm fine with that. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. I actually, when I heard that this was a, a lesbian and affirming pastor, I reached out to her. I had to do a little bit of research on how to uh, get a message to her, but I did yeah. send her a message and said, I was in this house. It wasn't for very long. So I don't know if you remember me. Uh, I would be interested in talking to you. I don't want to attack you or anything. I just want to talk to you. And much to my surprise, she agreed. We had a, it must have been a two hour conversation on the phone. And she just let me open up about all of the trauma that she had caused in my life. And she apologized and she affirmed my decision to leave the program when I did. She said that, that she is so grateful that I had come to the program as lesbian and not as trans because the abuse would have been far worse. Wow. Um, she did talk about the oppression that she experienced as an employee of the program, as a female employee, yeah. and the pressure that was put on her for the, the kind of behavior that she was expected to abide by. Okay. So we are friends on Facebook, and I have since actually met her and her partner for a meal. So that was healing. Mm -hmm. And I would say that, that most people don't have that opportunity. And, and even if they did, they probably wouldn't take it <laughs> for, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's where real healing takes place, though, is like being able to face what caused your trauma. And yeah. that's huge of you for, you know, even reaching out to her. And what's even bigger is her apologizing for it and validating how you felt and what that caused you. 